I would like to welcome you to the workshop series titled Investing God's Way. The presenter, Tom Copeland, is a servant of the Lord Jesus Christ who has been called to teach God's Word on finances since 1982. Tom has helped thousands of people learn and apply God's financial principles. Tom is the founder and president of Copeland Financial Ministries, and his financial moments are aired on numerous radio and TV stations. Now, here's Tom teaching Investing God's Way. I would like to welcome you to this series titled Investing God's Way. This is session one of three sessions on the topic Investing God's Way. And in this particular session, it's focused on providing an overview of the biblical financial principles on investing. So I'm going to give you, you'll see in a few minutes, 12 biblical principles that relate to investing. I would like to say this, the objective of this session is not to provide specific investment advice and not to show you how to make lots of money. Rather, the purpose of this is to provide you with a basic understanding of what God's Word says on investing, that is, provide an outline of God's investment principles so you can fulfill your stewardship responsibilities with respect to investing the money that God has entrusted to you. One thing I'd say is don't just delegate all the responsibilities to your investment advisors. Certainly you can use investment advisors, especially godly ones that understand God's Word on finances and God's Word as it applies to investing, but you shouldn't delegate it all to them. You're the one that's ultimately accountable to the Lord. You should consult the Lord for His wisdom and His direction as to where you should invest His assets. God promised in James 1.5, if any of you lack wisdom, and we all lack wisdom, we don't know the future, uh, he should ask God who gives generously to all without finding fault and will be given to him. And when he asks, he must believe and not doubt. In addition, in Psalms 32a, God said, I will instruct you and teach you in the way you should go. I will counsel you and watch over you. Of interest, God's Word, the Bible, has incredible wisdom for us on finances. 2,350 references in the Bible to money and material things. 16 of Christ's parables deal with money and material things. God's Word has wisdom for every aspect of finances, including investing. And we're going to review some of them today. Outlined below are 12 suggested steps and 12, an outline of 12 biblical principles that should enable you to learn and implement God's investment principles in managing the money, that, again, that God's entrusted to you. The first is perhaps even the most important, pray and depend upon God. The best investment today depends on future events, and since no human can consistently predict the, predict the direction of any market, it's critical to acknowledge our dependence upon God. John 15, 5, for his wisdom and his specific direction in respect of investing. We need to pray and depend on the Lord because we don't know the future. And here's what James had to say about us knowing the future. Now listen, you who say, today or tomorrow we will go to this or that city, spend a year there, carry on business and make money. Why you do not even know what will happen tomorrow? Instead, you ought to say, if it is the Lord's will, we will live and do this or that. James make it, makes it clear. We don't know the future. We don't know where the markets are going. But we need to discern God's will. That's what he's talking about in the last, uh, last verse there. If it is the Lord's will, we will live and do that. We need to discern God's will. And here's some way that you can discern God's will. Besides, first of all, you've got to make sure you're within the biblical um, investment principles that I'm going to provide in this session. But also, there can, be various, there can be several options within those biblical guidelines. Uh, here's some ways to specifically determine a God's will. First of all, God can highlight specific scriptures as we read his word. Psalms 119, 105 says, Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light for my path. 
Secondly, God can speak through a godly advisor. So you need to get an investment advisor that understands um, God's investment principles and applies them. Thirdly, the Holy Spirit can speak to our heart and mind. Jesus said, my sheep, listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me, John 10, 27. If you've accepted Christ as Savior and Lord, the Holy Spirit lives in you. And God can speak to you in the spiritual realm through His Spirit, through the Holy Spirit that lives, lives in you. And God, God can speak to you. God can plant thoughts in your minds. He can, uh, he can even speak to you audibly. We know that God spoke to Moses um, and, and Elijah audibly. He's never spoken to me audibly, but He can. But He can certainly speak to us and communicate to us in the spiritual realm. And fourth, God can provide His peace or lack of peace. Jesus said, but the counselor of the Holy Spirit whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things. Peace I leave with you, my peace I give you. I do not give as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. Bottom line, Christ is saying, like if you're looking at a proposed investment, I pray, read his word, get some godly financial advice, but also ask God to give you a peace or lack of peace because through his spirit, he can give you a peace or lack of peace. And a lack of peace may be God saying, don't go ahead. Tremendous peace can be saying, go ahead. So, um, but it's got to be consistent with God's word, of course. Here's a practical approach, because watching the markets every day, that can, that can drive you crazy. A practical and biblical approach is about three to four times a year, depending on God, spend quality time with the Lord in prayer, asking God for his wisdom and his specific direction regarding investing. Listen for God's gentle whisper, 1 Kings 19, because only God knows the future and only God's in control, 1 Chronicles 29. Journalize, if you haven't got a spiritual journal, I'd include, encourage you to start one. It's a great way to develop your relationship with the Lord. Journalize, put in your spiritual journal what you believe the Lord is directing you to do, and look for consistency. Ask God to uh, provide His peace or lack of peace with respect to any important investment decision, um, and do all of this before you invest God's money. The second point I'd like to make is to develop and implement a biblically-based investment strategy, and it should meet the following criteria. Number one, be consistent with God's investment principles. And secondly, reflect God's specific will for your life. Understanding God's financial principles will enable you to avoid a lot of bad investments. That's for sure. I've seen that over the years. People, when they, they lose a lot of money on a particular investment, often it's because they have violated biblical financial principles. And I'm not saying if you follow all these principles, you're going to make piles of money. But following biblical principles can help you avoid a lot of bad investments. So what are some common examples of Christians violating God's financial principles? Think about that. What are some common examples of Christians violating God's financial principles? I had several. Investing in something that you don't understand. Proverbs 19.2 says it's not good to have zeal without knowledge, nor to be hasty and miss the way. Using debt outside of God's will. Generally, the Bible discourages debt, and generally boring to invest is generally not a good idea. There, there may be an exception with, say, a rental real estate property, but you've got to make sure that you've uh, put down a really good down payment, got lots of cushion, and also that you've done a cash flow projection to make sure there's more than enough rental income coming in to pay all your bills and, and have a cushion as well there in your cash flow. Another uh, biblical principle, um, area that people normally don't follow God's principles, they're not diversifying one's investments into seven or eight different categories as advised in Ecclesiastes 11, 1 and 2. Or making hasty decisions. Uh, Proverbs 21.5 says the plans of the diligent lead to profit as surely as haste leads to poverty. Or investing with worldly motives. Uh, if you're investing with a motive of greed or selfishness, something that's contrary to God's word, the odds are God's not going to bless that. The third point I'd like to make is you need to diversify your investments because no one can consistently predict the direction of any market. 
uh, generally in need to diversify your investments in accordance with Ecclesiastes 11.1 1 and 2. This requires allocating your assets into different types of investments that will likely react differently to any particular market condition, and this will reduce the overall risk and volatility of your portfolio. In Ecclesiastes 11.2 it says, invest in seven ventures, yes eight, you do not know what disaster may come upon the land. In other words, diversify in order to reduce your risk. By the way, it is within biblical principles to take some risk within one's portfolio. However, diversify your investments because you do not know what disaster may come upon any particular company or sector. Too often, investors have all or most of their eggs in one basket and, for example, one company or one sector or one type of investment. And when that occurs in that sector or that company goes down, uh, they, can, they can get hurt really badly. So unless God specifically directs you otherwise, there's a need for biblical diversification in one's portfolio because under normal market conditions, if one category decreases in values, generally another will likely be increasing and it reduces the overall volatility of your total portfolio. So here's the next question. Is the following consistent with God's word? Smart people use other people's money. In other words, smart people borrow to invest. What do you think? Do you think that's consistent with God's word? I can tell you that this is one of the financial deceptions of this world, and I've got a whole chapter in my book on financial deceptions. Uh, it is a financial deception that smart people use other people's money. This is only true as if you can predict the future, and God's, God warns us that we cannot predict the future. Uh, nobody knows where the market's going from day to day, month to month, even long term. People don't know exactly where it's going. Um, so um, I can say this, every reference in Scripture to borrowing is negative, and nowhere in the Bible does God ever direct anyone to borrow money in order for God to meet a need. If we look at Philippians 4.19, Paul said, And my God will meet all your needs according to His glorious riches in Christ Jesus. God's promised to meet our needs. I'd say this, it's not a sin to borrow money, but it's a sin to borrow, not repay. The wicked borrow and do not repay, but the righteous give generously. Psalms 37.21. And overall, God's word strongly discourages the use of debt and warns of the dangers of debt. Proverbs 22.7 says you may become a servant to the lender. I can tell you this, often when people, um, if they borrow money to invest, the market goes down, they get called on their margin or get called on their debt, and they end up being forced to sell at the very time that they don't want to sell. So borrowing money, it just adds a level of extra risk that you really don't need to take. The, the biblical approach is provided in Proverbs 21.5, which says, Steady plotting brings prosperity. Hasty speculation brings poverty. I have a look at Proverbs 13, 11, which says, He who gathers money, or in other words, he who saves money, little by little makes it grow. In other words, dollar cost averaging, particularly in respect of the equity portion of your portfolio, it is consistent with Scripture. And I know a number of investment advisors advise that, but that is particularly important and consistent with Scripture. And generally, um, if you do that, uh, generally that's what you should do. Unless the Lord really gives you a conviction to, to invest a lot of money in something very fast, uh, but generally uh, you need to dollar cost average. So, um, one of the exceptions can be is if you own a business, uh, it may be possible that God's directing you to invest a big chunk of your investments in your business because that's something you manage and you control, but uh, don't put all your eggs even in that basket because sometimes businesses can go under as well. Here's a summary regarding debt and saving. The biblical perspective is to use minimal debt and save for future needs and be content with God's provision and timing. The worldly perspective is to use debt freely, which results in a lot of debt. And this uh, concept, the worldly perspective, is smart people use other people's money. The truth is smart people don't use other people's money. Smart people use as little debt as possible and pay it off as quick as possible. 
The next point I'd like to make, number five, is ensure that you understand the investment. Generally, most people lose money when they invest in something that they do not understand. Whether you plan to build a house or an investment portfolio, God's Word emphasizes the importance of understanding, wisdom, and knowledge. Proverbs 24, 3 and 4 says, By wisdom a house is built, through understanding it is established, through knowledge its rooms are filled with rare and beautiful treasures. Notice the emphasis on wisdom, understanding, and knowledge. Bottom line, if you don't understand an investment, you shouldn't invest in it. The sixth biblical principle is assess your tolerance for risk. God instructs the farmers, the farmer who's an investor. He says in Ecclesiastes 11.6, Sow your seed in the morning, and at evening let not your hands be idle. For you do not know which will succeed, whether this or that, or whether both will do equally well. And in Proverbs chapter 31, it says, The wife of noble character is involved in several types of equity investments. She's doing manufacturing. She's doing distributing. She's involved in real estate and farming. In verse 16, it says, She considers a field and she buys it, and out of, out of her earnings she plants a vineyard. Bottom line, it's within biblical guidelines to assume some investment risk. But again, diversify your investments in accordance with Ecclesiastes 11.2 and also um, discern God's will before you make any significant changes to your investment portfolio. At a high level, the risk of a, any portfolio is generally reflected by its allocations between equities and safe investments such as high-quality government bonds or guaranteed investment certificates. The appropriate level of investment risk that a Christian should assume will depend upon a number of factors. Your age, uh, when you will need the money, and your tolerance for risk. If, if you don't need the money for quite some time, you can afford to take on some risk, but also you have to assess your own tolerance for risk. I can say this, if you don't feel comfortable with the volatility of your portfolio, then reduce your equities and increase your cash or safe um, short-term bonds and guaranteed investment certificates. Uh, in other words, reduce your, your risk in the portfolio. Point number seven is um, avoid get-rich-quick uh, investments. You want to avoid get-rich-quick investments. Here's some common elements to a get-rich-quick investment. A promise of an abnormally high rate of return. Uh, if it sounds too good to be true, it probably is. The investor, the second point is the investor has limited knowledge of the investment. If you're trying to sell a high-risk real estate development project, you and don't take it to a, if, if the, the, the promoters take it to a developer or a builder, they'll assess the risk and they'll stay away from it. Take it to someone else where they, they may be very intelligent, it's outside their expertise, but it's outside their expertise, they're more likely to buy it. That's, that's often what happens with the get-rich-quick investments. They take it to someone who doesn't have the knowledge to assess the level of risk. The third thing about a get-rich-quick investment, it usually requires a quick decision. Uh, frequently, um, debt is utilized, and it's not diversified in accordance with Ecclesiastes chapter 11. God warns, do not wear yourself out to get rich. Have wisdom to show restraint. Cast but a glance at riches and they are gone, for they will surely sprout wings and fly off into the sky like an eagle. And before you invest, do the following. Pray and ask God to direct you. He's promised to direct us. Psalms 25, 12 says, who, says, who then is the man or woman who fears the Lord? God will instruct him in the way chosen for him. Secondly, ask God to reveal your motives. Proverbs 16, 2 says, all a man's ways seem innocent to him, but motives are weighed by the Lord. Third, obtain a sufficient understanding like we talked about. You need to understand the investment. And number four, use independent godly counselors. Use someone that's independent and they, they know and understand the biblical financial principles with respect to investing. And if you do not have enough time to complete these four suggestions, don't invest. Hasty decisions are usually bad decisions. 
The emphasis in God's Word is to save and accumulate assets for future needs over a period of time and not to try to get rich quickly. The next uh, point I'd like to talk about and the next step I would suggest, um, our biblical principle, is number eight. What are the three sources of biblical counsel? What are the three main sources of biblical counsel? And I'm going to suggest a fourth one as well. Here's the three sources of biblical counsel. Now we cover this in more detail in my book. Uh, there's a whole chapter on obtaining biblical counsel. But here, big picture, here's the three sources. In, um, in 1 Kings 22.5, Joseph had said to the king of Israel, first seek the counsel of the Lord. So the first source of counsel is God himself. You need to pray and ask God to direct you. And he can do that through his word, through his spirit, etc. The second source of biblical counsel is to study God's word, to ensure that any investment that you're going to make in, in just your overall portfolio allocation is consistent with biblical principles. Psalms 119.24 says, Your statutes are my delight, they are my counselors. The third source of biblical counsel is to seek the advice of, I, I'm suggesting, two godly investment advisors, independent ones. Um, and and um, here's my definition of a godly investment advisor. A spiritually mature Christian who understands and applies God's investment principles has a close personal relationship with the Lord, has the necessary practical investment knowledge, and habitually puts the interests of clients first. So that's the definition uh, of a, a, a godly investment advisor. Make sure they understand God's word, uh, they have the practical advice, and they, they put the interests of clients first. They, uh, they don't do things that are to their benefit. And a fourth one I recommend, consult your spouse, because if you're going to make a major investment in some area, you need to be on, on the same page as your spouse, because if you're not and the investment goes sour, there's going to be stress in the marriage relationship. Point number nine, ensure your motives are godly. Proverbs 16.2 says, All a man's ways seem innocent to him, but motives are weighed by the Lord. So here's a question. What are some godly motives for investing? And what are some worldly motives for investing? So let's now deal. What are some godly motives for investing? I think the first is to meet future needs. 1 Timothy 5.8 says, If you don't provide for the needs of your own family, you're worse than an unbeliever. So saving for future needs for you and your spouse and uh, that could be long-term, that could be retirement, or just um, uh, saving to, uh, you know, if you're a younger couple, saving for a down payment on a house, or saving for your kids' educations. Um, the second uh, godly motive would be giving to God's work. But uh, you can certainly, um, as God um, provides you with, with the funds, you know, and God gives you more, give to God's work, but don't make saving and investing an excuse for uh, hoarding. You don't want to hoard like the rich fool did in Luke chapter 12. The third motive for um, investing, godly motive, is practicing good stewardship. In Matthew chapter 25, God, who's the master, required the three stewards to put the money to work. Uh, and investing is putting the money to work. And so that's, that's just good stewardship. If you've been given us, if you have a surplus of money, you should put it to work. And the minimum stewardship you'll find in the parable is to at least put it on account with the bankers and, and earn some interest. At least do that. And in some cases, if you've got a you know, fair bit of a surplus that can be invested uh, for five years or longer, then you could consider doing, buying some equities. And the fourth one is following God's specific will for your life. That can be a, a, a motive, godly motive for investing. In other words, if you own and operate a business, God may direct you to invest a considerable amount in that business. Here's some worldly motives for investing. They'd include pride. When people invest uh, out of their pride, God opposes the proud and gives grace to the humble, 1 Peter 5.5. 5. They do it out of selfishness. They want more and more and more. They do it out of greed. And of course, in the parable of the, uh, the tower, Christ um, 
you know, warned about, uh, Jesus said, watch out, be on your guard against all kinds of greed. A man's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. And a fourth worldly motive for uh, investing is trusting in wealth rather than in God. And we need to make sure we're trusting in the Lord uh, and, and not in the, uh, the money and material things that he's given to us because that was, again, one of the issues that the parable of the rich fool had. There was nothing wrong with the fact that he was blessed with a significant crop one year, but rather than looking up and saying, hey, Lord, what do you want me to do this? Rather, he said, I know what I'm going to do. I'm going to tear down my barns. I'm going to build big, bigger ones. I'm going to store everything up for me, and I'm going to take life easy, drink and be merry. And Christ uh, called this man a fool, and he said, this very night your life will be, def will be taken from you, and who's going to get what, uh, what, what you've built up for yourself? So um, we need to make sure we're trusting in God rather than trusting in the investments he's given us. I would encourage everyone to ask God to reveal to you your motives for investing. Consider praying what David did in Psalms 139, where he said, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there is any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. The tenth point I'd like to make is follow God's directives, not human tendency. This is so important. This one's really important. When the markets decrease significantly, before you make any investment decisions, pray and ask God for his wisdom as to what you should do, if anything. Only God knows the future and only God is in control. Remember 1 Chronicles 29, where it says, Everything in the heavens and the earth is yours, O Lord, and this is your kingdom. We adore you as being in control of everything. If you even look at Psalms 103, 19, it says, The Lord has established his throne in the heavens. His sovereignty rules over all. God's in absolute control. So in summary, follow God's directives. And the key directives from the Lord are prayer, planning, and patience. A lot of people, are, they, they're reactive. They react based on what's going on in the markets today or what's happening. The media is saying what's happening. Uh, rather, follow God's directives. Prayer, planning, and patience. Not human tendencies such as fear and greed. If you're making a decision out of fear or greed, it's probably not a good investment decision. And secondly, uh, God's not going to bless, bless your decision in that way. Proverbs 16.3 says, Commit to the Lord whatever you do, and your plans will succeed. And point number 11, give to God's word, it produces eternal benefits. Jesus said, For the Son of Man is going to come in his Father's glory with his angels, and he will reward each person according to what he has done. Matthew 16, 27. What a promise. Uh, as, as, you, as you accumulate funds and you invest and you build your portfolio uh, for future needs, don't forget about God's work. Surely don't forget about that because uh, there isn't any other investment that's, that's, that's better. For example, look at uh, Matthew 19, 28 and 29. Jesus said, And everyone who has left houses or fields for my sake will receive a hundred times as much and will receive e eternal life. In other words, when we stop and we give to God's work, the blessings in heaven are going to be a hundredfold return and it's guaranteed by God. There's no investment or investment advisor that can guarantee you that kind of return. And just think about this. When you forgo even building your portfolio and you invest in God's work and one person comes to know Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord, a thousand years from now, a million years from now, that'll mean something. As for your investments, yes, it's biblical to invest. It's biblical to accumulate and save for future needs. But don't get, don't get carried away with it. Don't forget to give generously to God's work. As God gives you more, give, it, give him more. Because when you invest in God's work, there's eternal benefits. And a split second after you die, you're going to realize your investments were very temporary in nature. And as Jesus said in Matthew 6, 19 to 21, 
Do not store for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but store for yourselves treasures in heaven where moth and rust do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And one of the questions you, everybody needs to ask, what do I really treasure? Where, what are you spending your time and your effort and what are you thinking about a lot? If it's on your investments and what's happening in the market, maybe your treasure is, is your money and material things and we need to be focused on things of eternal value, not things that are temporal. I could say this, it's easy to become focused on building your portfolio. Remember, investments are temporary. First Timothy 6, Paul said, we brought nothing into this world, we shall take nothing out of it. And as God blesses your investments, avoid hoarding, which the rich fool did in Luke chapter 12, and give generously to God's work. In Acts 20, 35, Jesus said, it's more blessed to give than to receive. And uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 9 is a tremendous set of scriptures on, on giving. Uh, starting with uh, verse 10, it says, Now he, that is God, who provides seed to the sower and bread for food, will also supply and increase your store of seed and enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. And why does God bless us? Is it so we can spend what we get on our pleasures, or can we hoard it in a sense and continue to build up and accumulate more and more? No. The, the scripture goes on and says, You'll be made rich in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion, and through us, your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. In other words, God blesses our investments. He blesses our work of our hands. He blesses us with, with money and material things so we can be generous uh, to his work. And um, effectively, as Jesus said, build up treasures in heaven rather than treasures on earth. But I mean, I do acknowledge people have to save for future needs. That's biblical to do. But don't, um, don't accumulate more than what you really need. Number 12, keep a balanced perspective on investing. It's appropriate to invest with the objective of providing for future needs, but don't overdo it. Don't spend excessive amounts of time and energy on investing, as this is not God's will. Do not wear yourself out to get rich. Have wisdom to show restraint. Cast but a glance as riches and they are gone, for they will surely sprout wings and fly off into the sky like an eagle. Proverbs 23, 4 and 5. My, my habit is to review the portfolio God's entrusted me about three to four times a year to ensure I've got a biblically-based investment strategy, pray and ask God for his wisdom and direction as to whether there should be any changes, and in the meantime, just, just be patient and rest on the Lord and wait patiently for him. And um, in prayer, just, uh, just wait upon the Lord. And um, I'd say in, in between the quarterly reviews, Predominantly ignore what's happening in the markets unless something really out of the ordinary happens, but generally speaking, ignore what's happening in the markets and, uh, and the media and just, uh, just trust God that the last way he directed you, he's going to bless and provide for your needs in the future. I think that's the key. I'm a strong believer in memorizing scripture. Here's the two scriptures I have for this uh, session. Proverbs 21.5 says, Steady plotting brings prosperity. Hasty speculation brings poverty. And Ecclesiastes 11, 1 and 2 says, Cast your bread upon the waters, for after many days you will find it again. Give portions to seven, yes, to eight, because you do not know what disaster may come upon the land. The concept there is diversifying to seven or eight different types of investments that react differently to any market condition. So if you'd like to learn more about investing God's way, be sure to go to our website and watch the other half-hour shows on this topic. Our website is copelandfinancialministries.org. There's also numerous other resources available on their website where I teach the biblical financial principles with respect to other financial areas, such as stewardship, God's wisdom on debt and saving, steps to get out of debt, budgeting, etc. And you can even download a free copy of the Copeland Budgeting System and join our Financial Moment email list. Most of the resources on the website are free. I'm going to close in prayer. Father, I pray that everyone listening to this show 
would make it a point to follow up to learn the biblical principles that you've provided to us with respect to investing and that they would invest the money that you've entrusted to them according to your principles, Lord, and your specific will. In Jesus' name, amen. If you would like to learn more about God's Word on finances, be sure to check out copelandfinancialministries.org. Again, copelandfinancialministries.org.